0: Well, thanks for tuning in to the Murphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, a.k.a. Murph, and I'm here to provide you tips and information about bicycle touring for beginners, Uh, focused on Midwest touring. And on the show today is Chip Thurston. Hey, Chip. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. All right. Well, Chip and I, uh, just last weekend, were part of a rather large group. I think it was going to be maybe 10 or 11, ended up being 18 people, I think. I think so. It was a big group. Uh, we did a weekend tour here in Iowa, and it was 99.9% on trail. Uh, part of it was um, paved, and then a lot of it was like, was it, what would you call that, limestone?
1: Yeah, pea gravel.
0: Pea gravel, crushed limestone, sometimes sand. <laughs> 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 so uh, anyway, it was so much fun. A uh, great opportunity to hang out with friends. And I have to laugh a little bit because... So there were 18 of us, and we were all loaded down on our bikes because it was a camping deal. So we went about 45 minutes north of Cedar Rapids, camped in a t- little town called Laporte City at a campground, and then we came back the next day. But we all had <laughs> so much junk on our bikes; like it looked like we were on a three-month adventure.
1: I think I had 100 pounds. I mean, it was, oh my god! Yeah. Everything you could need, and then. Two of it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I got a chair, I had a full size sleeping bag. It was just and I think I had the mindset of, well, we're only going for one night, so I can I can take a little bit more than I normally would. And then I get on my bike and I was like, What the heck am I thinking? But (laughs) yeah. You know, I don't know. I should have checked when I unpacked if there was anything I didn't use. I'm sure there was, but
1: I'm certain I had at least half my stuff I didn't use.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get into this. Um, how did you get into to bicycle touring? And by bicycle touring, I'm meaning carrying your crap on your bike.
1: Um, I For me, it started with, uh, when I first got into biking, it was for, you know, uh, athletic reasons and triathlons. Yeah. And with triathlon, it's very much a, you know, you go out on your own and you ride 50 miles and it, it's just not fun. Right. Um, so then I got involved with a rag ride team and started doing that on a you know, road bike mm-hmm. and I realized that half my rag team had more fun than i did because they weren't going fast all day and then sleeping oh yeah <laughs> um so i i got into that and i started you know with touring bikes and buying something where i could you know store stuff on right right
0: yeah and it is it's a whole different experience when you don't have to worry about when the bus is going to be somewhere or where it's going to be i mean if you have everything on your bike you're just like Meh. yeah absolutely i mean
1: you just plan your day well you don't even plan your day you just yeah. the day takes you where it takes you and and that's part of the beauty of it if, if you live a lifestyle where you're everything controlled and you have schedule and stuff like that it's just very freeing to go out and you know see what life where life takes you
0: yeah i did an interview a couple of weeks ago on the just go bike podcast with uh ryan van duzer he's a big youtuber and he said it so well he's like you know he was talking about a bike tour where he was it was super bad headwinds and it was really hot he goes but I kept having to tell myself the only thing I have to think about today is moving forward on my bike that's all I have to do is get on my bike and ride my bike all day long I'm like ah it's just so well said it's like just makes it so much more fun so uh what is it that you enjoy about the touring you know you kind of mentioned being able to just kind of do your own thing
1: it's the, it's the freedom of just kind of going wherever and not having a schedule. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite days on Rag Bri, uh are those days where you think you're setting out to do something and you're six blocks from where you started at <laughs> 4 p.m. because you found some friends and you just sat there and, you know, hung out with them. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, I, uh, the other thing I like is when I was uh, first biking, you know, I, I got big into, like, the stats, you know, keeping track of how many miles I went and how fast I went. And if I went this route, could I increase my speed by 10% or whatever and with my touring bike uh, my GPS died at some point three years ago and I never replaced it and I have no ability to track mileage or how fast we're going and it's it's infuriating and freeing at the same time because I just don't care. Right. You know so.
0: I'm still uh, really stuck on I need to uh, document every single mile and even you know like uh, actually the trip that we were on this past weekend, my Garmin kept giving me the do 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 low battery. And I'm like, Oh gosh, what am I (laughs) going to do? I think I'm gonna have to charge at some point. And there was a point where I'm just like, if it dies, then I'm just going to be satisfied with knowing most of the miles I did. And if you're worried, it did make it. When I got home, (laughs) I plugged it in. It was at 12%. So I did make it, but yeah, I, I do understand though. I, uh, my touring bike does not have a, a speedometer on it. And I love that part of it where, you know, somebody might be like, how fast are we going? Like, It, it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> you get a feel for it eventually. I mean, I think on this r- ride this weekend, I'd look over, I was like, are we doing like 12? And they're like, yeah, yeah that's about right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With a hundred pounds on your bike.
1: <laughs> it was downhill. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, well, give us a few places that you've been on your, on your bike, you know, all loaded down.
1: I mean, other than rag and stuff around Iowa, um went with a group last year where I have a lot of free time, and so my rugby team was doing a trip to uh, Key West, Oh, nice! and somebody backed out, and they were like, hey, you don't have anything to do. You want to come? So <laughs> we got in a van and drove down to Miami and then rode from there to Key West and spent uh, four or five days down there and mm-hmm. then drove the van back. The van part was the worst by far.
0: Yeah, it's like probably 22, 24 hours. Yeah,
1: and there's like 12 of us in there. Was, yeah kind of
0: horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that Key West bike ride though. And, um, you're on, what is, is it? Highway one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it, there's a nice trail where you're separated from the road, but there's a few places where you are stuck on that highway with vehicles.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's flat and we had a tailwind the whole way. So oh, it nice. was, you know, I was with a bunch of people on stick bikes and I was, you know, I had a cooler and a drone and <laughs> all sorts of other stuff and, and was <laughs> managed to keep up pretty well.
0: Yeah. And I think most people that are listening to this um, know what RAGBRAI is. We talk about it all the time, but RAGBRAI.com is what you can look it up. But it's basically a seven-day bicycle tour, and it's the oldest and longest in the world. Um, And every year they change up the route. Um, I've been doing it for 20-some years, and it never gets old because every year it's different. You know, the experience, the people you're with, the actual terrain, Iowa is not flat. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, when you talk about touring, what kind of bike do you ride?
1: So I built up a, um, a Soma. It's a Saga. Oh, yeah. Um, as long as you get something that you can put you know, racks on, or uh, even if it's not racks, you can put a seat bag on, or you can figure out a way to haul all your stuff, I think you'd be okay. Yeah.
0: As long as the bike can support weight. That's yep. the important thing. Yep. My first couple years, when I put bags on a bike, it was actually on a, a stick bike, a road bike, and the bike shop did recommended I not put a rack on the back but yet they still did and there was a time when I had so much weight on the bike that the rack kind of started bending down onto the the back wheel and then I realized that they were right that was a bad decision <laughs> and that's what prompted me to get my first touring bike <laughs> name a few important features on your bike
1: so for me when I built my bike you know I, I kind of did the research, and I think anybody, you know, sit there and look into what you can do, and everybody has their opinions as to what a touring bike entails.
0: I think we have music now. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. We're, we're outside, and it sounds like there is now music in the background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, So for me, one of the things I looked at was, you know, making sure that the bike was, like, you know, relatively reliable and bulletproof. You know, road bikes have a tendency to be, you know, you get flats when you hit a bump, or you know, maybe the components aren't as strong to, to haul weight or just need more maintenance. You know, I built my road bike thinking, or my touring bike thinking, you know, I don't want to fix it. I don't want it to break somewhere. Right. So that was the biggest thing was, you know, um, you know, strong components, things that were simple enough that, you know, the shifters on my bike are, are a different type of friction shifter, but like they, they shouldn't ever break. Yeah. And if they do, I should be able to
0: fix it yourself. Kind of yeah,
1: get it, <clears throat> get it back to working. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, the ability to mount racks to it is important, yep. um, at least for me. And then, you know, comfortable. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a more upright position, so you're not going as fast, but I can sit there all day and not, you know, and go 12 miles an hour and right. become, be relatively comfortable at the end of the night.
0: Right. So the, the big feature that uh, I've heard quite a bit from people doing touring is disc brakes. And when I had my bike built, which I pedal a gunner, Shout out to Gunner Cycles, I love it, Um, but the year I got it, which must be like seven or eight years ago, uh, disc brakes were not a thing at the time, or at least it wasn't available on the frame that I got, so I do not have disc brakes, and let me tell you, I'm always like, especially when we're in a tight group, I'm always like, all right guys, (laughs) you gotta tell me if you're stopping way before you slam on your brakes, because I do not have the ability to stop on a dime.
1: Yeah, when I built mine, disc brakes were kind of starting out. It's only been four years ago. Yeah. But it was one of those where everybody's like, "Oh, you have to get disc brakes." And and I will say, for the first two years, I hated them. I mean, they're at least the ones I had were noisy. And yeah, like, they do I squeak. I felt like I was constantly tweaking to try to get things to work. Uh huh. I got them to the point where they're dialed in now, but it, it just was one of those things where learning experience, and I thought it was more of a pain than it was worth for a long time.
0: Yeah. Except now, if you need to stop quick, you can do it, and I can't. (laughs) Absolutely. And I have disc brakes on other bikes that I own, and you're right, they do squeak, but they do, they work. So, anyway, that's an important feature that I do not have that I need. So, when you look at, like, things on your bike, what what would you say are some things that you have on your bike that are, you wouldn't not want?
1: I mean, I carry too much stuff. I mean, it's (laughs) like the, you know, the Boy Scout motto of always being prepared, I feel like you know, I always have too much stuff on there. Yeah. Um, I tend to carry, you know, a bag full of clothes and a bag full of tools. There's the bike bag that's got, you know, bike tools and cold weather gear. Right. All year round for some reason. Um, <laughs> you know, the various balms and deodorants and yeah. stuff that inevitably you probably won't use half the summer. Right. Uh, then I sometimes, I you know, I carry a drone on the front because I've got a little tiny drone that fits in a pocket, and that's nice used it once, maybe <laughs>
0: twice,
1: <clears throat> yeah. so that's, that's a plus, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't know, it, everything makes sense when you put it in the bag, you know, you're looking at like, oh, it's only a pound, it's, you know, it's two pounds, it's for a hammock, I yeah. may need that, Yeah. and then like two years later, you're like, I've carried around two pounds for two years, <laughs> and that one time, I should have used it.
0: Exactly, yeah. Maybe you're not this kind of guy, but how do you decide where stuff goes? Like, are you pretty diligent about always returning it in the right place?
1: I have plans as to where to put things. Like the the bike lock should be in the bike bag and that should always be on a certain side. Yep. Plans don't always pan out. Like I (laughs) I get off my bike and I'm like, oh it's gotta be in this bag and then the fourth or third or fourth bag I open is where I find what I was looking for. Yep. I look to people that make labels or take like a silver marker and mark their bag as to what's in it. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably the right thing to do. I just I'm not the best at staying organized that way.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm pretty diligent about You know, I've got my camp gear always in one bag, so I never have to use that until the end of the night. But it does get a little murky sometimes. Like, if I have a jacket on and then I decide I don't need the jacket, I'll just shove it somewhere instead of putting it where it's supposed to be. But Somebody on this podcast, I can't recall who, had a great idea of the inside of your bag, you open it up and there's like a post-it note with what's in it. It doesn't prevent you from what you said, because I do this all the time where I have to open all four bags to figure out where something is. Yep. But at least you could flip open the lid and be like oh you know your little post it tells you what's in there but then you have to be diligent about putting stuff back
1: yeah i never know where the bike bag you know the bike bike parts and water bottles and locks and stuff yeah. like that i never know where that bike that bag is it's yeah. always the you know, it's never the first time i open. Right. Even and if I... I always say, like, okay, I'm always going to put it on the right. Right. No, <laughs> it's not happening.
0: And I have just a very small bag for, like, tools, because I don't carry as many as most people carry. And I always put it way on the bottom because I never, ever use it. So then when I do need it, it's always. I have to open each bag, like, three times. Take everything out before I can find that. So, so when you're touring, um, most of the time are you camping and then are you like tent or hammock or hotel or hostel or
1: um, I mean we tend to do more camping um, if it's rag ride, obviously you know we have a bus that supports us and a yeah. trailer so that takes most of the camping gear I don't have to carry it yeah um, if I'm on my bike you know I, I tend to take a, ta- a tent small sleeping bag I've got a roll-up air mattress that is relatively light hmm that's about it I mean I try not to carry too much stuff but, you know, at the same time, I, I often have a hammock with me that I've slept in once or twice and I, I, it's not comfortable. So I just <laughs> it's a lot lighter than a tent. But yeah, the tent is just nicer, I guess. Yeah.
0: And a hammock, you know, I love hammock sleeping myself, but it's so risky because um, like, for instance, when we were on tour our, this last weekend, there was barely a few sprinkles but I was in my tent and I panicked. I like jumped up, I went and grabbed you know my helmet because I, I hate wet helmets. And I moved my camp chair underneath the picnic table and, and then it never turned into rain. But if I was in a hammock, I'd be like, oh no, what am I gonna <laughs> do? So, um, but I am like you where the hammock is always in one of my bike bags, you know, just in case we stop at a park and wanna put them up and just chill. So yeah, I hear you on there. Okay, so here's a question I get asked quite a bit. Somebody asks you why you carry all that junk on your bike. Like, why aren't you just on a 15-pound bike with nothing on it? Why do you have all that crap?
1: I mean, most of the time it's because, you know, I want to be prepared for whatever the day brings. If it's, you know, a broken bike, I want to be able to fix it. You know, I've got the tools to fix most things on the bike, um, or at least get it back to a point where I can hobble home. The reality is I just tend to be a fixer. You know, I see a problem and I want to fix it. So if somebody gets a flat, I probably have either the tool they don't need or a tube or, you know, what have you. Um, Or if I end up somewhere where, you know, I'm not able to get home for the day, then I have plans, you know. Right. I don't always need that, you know, that little Ziploc bag full of clothes, but every now and then I've used it.
0: Yeah. And, um, an example, this was maybe a couple years ago, but we were somewhere at night and somebody got caught either without their, he- their headlight or they battery died. I don't remember yeah. the deal, but you're like, Hey, I got an extra. Yeah. So.
1: I always have, you know, two or three rear lights and a couple front lights. And yeah, it was somebody who didn't have a, I don't think they were I planning think, yeah. on being out late and they ran into us and we tend to be a social group and yeah. it runs a little, a little later than I think they wanted to be out. And, uh, it got dark and they're right. like one of the lights. So
0: yeah. Yep. You know, you mentioned before we started recording that when you think of touring, you think of it as a social activity. Like, what did you mean by that?
1: Well, for me, biking is, you know, doing triathlons was always very antisocial. And for me, that was always the worst part. I I prefer to just not do that. I don't know. For me, biking is just something where I want to go out and I want to maybe experience new things with friends or, you know, or just be out and and do more of a social activity. So... That's one of the things I like about touring. I know touring is largely, you know, people solo. Right. You know, circumnavigating the world or whatever. and
0: Usually in the desert, and they're <clears throat> always dirty. Yeah. And, and it's
1: just like that is, i I'm intrigued by it. And I really, th- you know, I think those people are awesome. But it, yeah. it, it, it would never work for me. I would go crazy. Yeah. I just don't want to be by myself that many hours.
0: Right. It's, it is definitely the social side.
1: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, to me, that's what draws me to it more than the biking in many cases.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The biking's just kind of an added bonus. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you get some exercise while you're hanging out with your friends. So, um, What advice would you give somebody who's thinking about you know, not going across the desert solo, but like, I think I, I want to put my stuff on my bike and go for a weekend? I think,
1: you know, in part, it's just, you know, get the, the stuff you know you're going to need. Yeah. You know, if it's a sleeping bag and a hammock, you know, or a, a, a hammock liner and hammock, and maybe a couple, you know, sets of clothes. You know, figure out a way to attach it and, and go for it. Yeah. Um, you know, find, if you can, find a local group, you know. I, we were fortunate in Cedar Rapids to have yeah. the, the group that we have that, you know, is very welcoming to new people. And yeah. that was, that's difficult, you know. Getting in with people, especially touring groups, is, is difficult, you know. I mean, we definitely, you know, we know people that go out and they do their thing. and Yeah. Um, it's difficult to break into that, and especially if you want to do it socially and you want to do it with a group. Um, you know, Nobody wants to be with somebody who, gets 10 miles in and and can't go anymore because they're tired or whatever and everybody else wants to keep going right so there's a risk for everybody i think
0: uh this is i always ask people this question but would you say there is any do's or don'ts worth mentioning when biking
1: i'm sure i'm sure there's you know everybody has their 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 things that you should do and shouldn't do i I know our group tends to be very vocal when we're biking i mean it's Mm -hmm. everybody's pointing out every little thing, you right. know, um, sticks and holes and stuff like that. And I think that's, uh, that's a, that's a do, right. you know, I, if nothing else, it's just a way to keep everybody safe. Yep. Um, you know, this weekend when we were riding on that, that trail, I saw you point down at a something on the ground. I was like, Oh, I wonder what she's pointing at. And about the time I had that thought, uh, my front tire hit this giant hole in the <laughs> ground and, and I was in the process of saying <laughs> hole and, uh. And then I heard somebody else go around it, and the next person back, I just heard a big, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a bunch of us hit it. And just, you know, the fact that people can point out and prevent others from getting themselves hurt is is one of those important things, in my mind anyway.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, being able to talk it out, especially, you know, there's 18 of us, and we were riding uh, side by side on a trail. So you have to be very mindful of other people using the trail. I mean... We have it down pretty well. When if we say bike up, you know, we have so many seconds to go from two lane—what'd you call that? Two, two lanes yeah. to one lane—and um, we're pretty good at it. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you know, just being with the same people frequently, and, and you get to the point where you can trust them. I mean, when we're squeezing in to try to get down to half the trail, more often than not, we're kind of like one and a half wide. Yeah, you know, it's like you're not necessarily going single file. You're, you're kind of merging in, and eight inches from the person next to you, and right knowing people you can trust and you can do that with um is important and you know don't be i think the, the don't would be don't be erratic you know mm. don't be that person that like goes from 14 to 20 miles an hour and slams the brakes right or swerves a lot i mean that's just especially when you're riding with a bunch of people with heavy bikes right uh you know one person crashing at the front could be nine people pile up yep. uh, pretty quickly
0: Yep. yeah uh, that's always my biggest thing is to be predictable. I, I do a lot of group rides where um, somehow I, I end up in the front leading it. And part of it's because I want to be in control of how fast we're going or how slow we're going. You know, like, well, if I'm in the front, anybody can pass me <laughs> if they want. But it's funny how a lot of times people don't. They just kind of go with the flow. And Which, on a side note, my favorite part about leading a group is you can tell or I can tell if we're going too fast or too slow based on the conversations that are happening behind me. So if, if you can, if nobody's talking at all, then I know that we're either pushing it too hard. Everyone's just like, oh my God, trying to keep up. And then when you start hearing little conversations, you're like, okay, everyone's really enjoying themselves. And that goes back to your mention of it being social. Like I know everyone's having a blast when I can hear conversations all the way back and... Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of group riding. Yeah. If,
1: if you're working too hard, you can't breathe, and yeah. then you can't talk. Yeah. Um, and then nobody wants to be, you know, everybody's being quiet. And they're back there silently suffering on their own because they don't want to be the person that says, "Yeah, let's this, is, slow this down. is too much for me. Like, <laughs> They want to be like, well, I'm just going to muscle through to the next stop, and yeah. then I'm going to find my way back. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, do you have any uh, bike adventures on the horizon?
1: I was thinking about taking up a couple of days next week and going and find something to do, but... Have nothing planned as of yet.
0: Well, and when you look at, especially our area, the Midwest, there's almost always somebody doing a group ride, like the Root River, which is up in Minnesota. That's a beautiful ride. It's almost all trail. It kind of uh, has one central location and you go north or south or east or west but god that's a great trail and then of course the high trestle ride oh i guess um, that is coming up too yeah, yeah that one's coming up that we have a, a friend who's kind of spearheading that and that'll end up being probably 30 or 40 people
1: yeah yeah that one's a big one every year and and is more a uh, we set up camp wherever we're at so we don't have to haul stuff and then yeah. it's out and back in one day and right it's uh, It's always a good time.
0: Right. And for sure, if people have not been to the High Trestle Bridge, uh, you should Google that as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, because it is beautiful. And it's kind of uh, one of the major wonders of the Midwest and of Iowa. It's like an old train bridge, but it's 13 stories above a river of some sort. River. So it's pretty cool. Well, Chip, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I hope you enjoyed yourself, and hopefully we entertain the listeners out there. Hope so. Thanks for having me. Yep. about a touring tip, let's talk helmets. So helmets won't necessarily make your ride safer, but if you go down, your properly fitted helmet could definitely change the extent of your injuries, especially a head injury. Uh, Many states do not require a helmet, But I would highly suggest you wear one to keep that brain safe. There are all kinds of brands and styles of helmets. So go for comfort. Go for style. Ventilation is good, too. Be sure the helmet fits snug. Uh, It's terrible to see people on their bikes with the chin strap hanging almost down to their jersey collar. The strap under your chin should be tight enough to hold the helmet securely on your head. If you can move the strap up over your chin when it's fastened, it won't do you any good if you fall. Let your local bike shop help you get fitted. Here's a side note. When I got hit by a distracted motorist while cycling, first my head hit the hood of the guy's car, and then it hit the pavement, which meant both sides of my helmet as well as my head inside the helmet took a beating Um, i ended up with minimal head injuries i had a big goose egg that helmet cracked in several places but it stayed firmly in place which meant it did exactly what it was supposed to do Um, i should note if your helmet shows anywhere like cracks or torn straps toss it and get a new helmet immediately there's just there's no reason to wear a helmet that's not going to be effective when you need it you can even buy helmets that have built-in safety features like lights i own a rechargeable helmet made by lumos which is l-u-m-o-s and there are other brands that make these now too Uh, when i turn it on um, and it can be solid or flashing a red triangle lights up in the back and a white strip of lights Um, are in the front. The lights can be flashing or remain solid like I mentioned and you can even uh, have turn signals so the entire back of the helmet can light up. It's pretty cool. I use this in addition to my normal front and rear lights and I think of it as an extra way to get noticed by vehicles. So in my opinion, wear a helmet as often as you can. Your future you may someday thank you. Well, that's it for today, listeners. Check out morphologypodcast.com and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate you, and thanks for taking the time to tune in and listen to the Morphology Podcast. I'll leave you with this quote from the Unwritten Book of Morphology. This quote comes from Diane Sawyer. Whatever you want in life, other people are going to want it too. Believe in yourself enough to accept the idea that you have an equal right to it. Think about it.